Hello and welcome to the Coon Hunting University podcast. This is your host, Tyler Duncan. And like always, class is in session. Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Conkey's Outdoors, hunting and hound supply store. Find out more at conkeysoutdoors.com and Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use discount code CHUPODCAST at checkout and receive 5% off on nighthunters.com. So we're sitting here at Superior's shop in Adamsville, Tennessee. We stopped by, you know, the wipe, did the wipeout story last night and decided we'd stop by um, some of our great sponsors build and they showed us around. It's an awesome place. It really is. So we got Mr. Sam Davis and Mr. Jamie Davis here. They're the owners of Superior Lights. And could y'all each tell us a little bit about yourselves? Before we get started? Well, I was uh, raised around here about six miles south, a little place called Stantonville. And uh, we, we had an old farm over at about 130 acres that uh, we raised cotton on. And an old ground was so poor, you couldn't hardly raise a disturbance on it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, about three years old, I was introduced to the cotton fields and stayed there until I was 18 when I went in the Air Force. And uh, I was coon hunting around there. And this is one of these places back then where you could uh, walk out the back door and kick your dogs out and be hunting in five minutes. And no neighbors around would say anything. You was welcome. And uh, that's where we grew up. And there's an old fellow around here named Lawrence Pettigrew that was a big influence on me. And uh, he was good to all those kids. He'd come get me when I was 12, 13 year old, and we'd go coon hunting. And that went on till till I went in the Air Force in, I guess, 1966. And the Air Force was a big part of my life. That's where I met my wife. And uh, stayed in there for 24 years. I was in aircraft maintenance for about 10 years as an electrician. And I was in the security police for a while. And then uh, one day in the building, the old commander Knew I was working on a degree, and he asked me if uh, I wanted to go to school full-time, and I told him, sure. So I got selected for that program, and I was too old to go to OTS, but uh, due to a waiver, I got selected. I had no intentions of going, but when you put in for the program, it was a stipulation that you have to apply for that. So I said, well, I was, I was 34 and had to get away age waiver, and I said, well, I'll never get selected. So I wasn't worried about it and come down on the first thing and got selected for it. Then worked on uh, missile crew for several years at Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri. And if you ever get a chance to go up around Knob Noster, Warrensburg, Sedalia, that's some of the best hunting in the world, I promise you. Stayed there about eight years and went to uh, Louisiana. Old Charlie Border introduced me to that country down there. We'd go coon hunting. The first time I ever saw him at a hunt, he was barefooted. I said, surely, I said, surely he ain't going to the woods barefooted like that with these cotton mouths and copperheads and rattlesnakes around here. But sure enough, here went Charlie just bouncing through the woods barefooted. And I said, I'd never seen nothing like it. And I hadn't seen anything like it since. But I think he's progressed up a little bit. Now, I think he's wearing tennis shoes. <laughs> but anyway, that's about the extent of my hunting. But uh, I know the years over in, uh, that I spent in Germany in 69, Kept me away from coon hunt, but I tell you what I did. I got the old American Cooner and and the, and the Full Cry. I think that's the only two publications that was around. 
I'd look at them and I'd have them memorized by the time the next edition come out. I could tell you whatever dog was out of, and this is when Johnson's Banjo and Finley River Chief and them dogs, the foundation probably of good walker dogs are, are from. And uh, just nothing like it to sit over and read them old books. And that's about the extent of me, so I'm going to let Jamie tell you about it, about his. <laughs> well, uh, Sam is my dad. He, Like he mentioned, he was in the Air Force, and that was where I spent most of my childhood was moving around. To, we got to visit a lot of different places, live a lot of different places. He started uh, the coon hunting light business when he retired from the Air Force, and I was that was probably late oh, was, 80s. Yeah. Um, I was just a kid. I can remember being around the coon hunting lights then and... Um, you know, helping him out around the shop. I wasn't quite on the payroll then at that point, uh, but I, I did. You, was, uh, I, you didn't know it. Uh, maybe so, but I, I observed a lot, and I couldn't have been 12 or 13 years old, and I have been on the payroll here and have worked here and have been building the lights for well over 20 years now, um, probably getting close to about 25 years. Um, so I've I've seen a lot of different lights come and go and and jamie if, if anybody on listen to this gets in a bind down here in adamsville you know a good attorney huh <laughs> i am also an attorney uh that's something i decided to do um about seven or eight years ago uh, and i am a licensed attorney and i i do have a law office here in town and um i do i do practice law as well well, after listening to those guys last night, it's a good thing they got a good lawyer around here. But those three certainly have one of my business cards. <laughs> so, Mr. Sam, I, I know you told a story yesterday about your first competition hunt oh, yeah. and who was with you. I want you to tell that story to us again. Right. That was pretty good. Yeah, I got out of the Air Force in 73, I guess it was, and I decided I was going to get rich out here in civilian life after I'd been in there eight years. and. I got me an old dog. He wasn't much punkin, but I had him anyway. He'd trick coon for everything was just right. And uh, I decided I'd go on one of these year night hunts that I'd heard everybody talk about. So I, I loaded up and went on one. I think it was up toward Bickley, Virginia, somewhere up there like that. And uh, lo and behold, the first person I drew, first night hunt I went on, I drew Steve Fielder. <laughs> well, here here we go. Here I'm young and I'm green about the night hunts and stuff. And I was riding in the passenger side on the door. We pulled up where we was going to hunt. Leo Layers, I think, was driving and, and uh, Steve was in the middle. I jumped out when he backed up and I popped that tailgate and I said, whoo, get them. They, <laughs> they, let, they let me know right then that that wasn't the proper etiquette for coon hunting on these night hunts. <laughs> and that, that was one of my early lessons in the in the, in the in the coon hunting world, in, especially in competition world. And what kind of light were you using at that hunt? What, what kind of light was big back then? What kind of light did you start out using? Oh, it was, probably, it was all probably using wheat lights because that's about what everybody had then. I think night light probably came on the scene uh, a little later than that with their lead acid battery and old just right head, if I'm not mistaken. But the, 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 the mainstay was an old wheat light. And I think probably the first light I had was a little, and this is going to be some years after Sam's first competition hunt, uh, was going to be a little six-volt blazer light that we had uh, 
picked up at a flea market somewhere in Texas, I believe right outside Longview, Texas. Yeah, done high tire. Yeah. That's been that was late eighties, mid eighties. So you were talking about you went to school full time or did your education and all. What was your education in? Well, uh, back to that story. Uh, the commander asked me if I wanted to go to that school, and I, and I, like I said, I did. I got accepted, and I was working on a degree in math, and I had to have that degree finished before I turned 35, or I, I would uh, default on that uh, application that I'd put in. And I had to uh, change majors, and I changed over to major in history, and I graduated, and I think it was probably 80 December, and I was... Uh, coming 44 so i had to get to ots and get get commissioned before uh before uh i turned 35 so i did that and then after that i went back to whiteman missouri on the missile crew and there uh the big thing was when you was down in the capsule you know 60 90 feet in the ground there wasn't a lot to do except there, sit there and look at your crew partner or something you know or monitor a panel or something like this and the thing there was that everybody went for higher education getting master's degrees and i got a master's degree there at uh, central missouri in warrensburg when i started the program it was safe i'm at safety engineering and then they changed it to safety management and i guess i finished that in 87 yeah there. that's awesome that's that's great so and i don't i know it did back in the day but kind of does the coal mining industry influence our lights now as much as it did back then? I don't think it's, I don't think it does anything for it. And in addition, our lights are are not MSHA certified. When you know the coal miners' lights have to go through a rigorous uh, certification to go down there in the in the coal mines, and mm-hmm. ours ours are not certified to do that. Okay. And uh, but influence. Not today, it don't. A question I would have is kind of the day you decided you were going to build lights, that's what you wanted to do. I mean, how how did that thought come in your mind and what made you go with it, Mr. Sam? Well, I just kind of eased into it, I guess. There in the in the late 80s, uh, Don Hightower, he and I had uh, made an acquaintance and, and we hit it off. Don Hightower is a great person. I told Don, he was selling blazer lights at that time, and I told him, I said, I think, you know, we can probably do that if you want to. And uh, I made a few of them, got them to him, and uh, we I'd come up with some logos and things for the lights, and he wanted to do one thing, and I was thinking about another, and he said, what about Coonbuster? I said, that sounds good. So that's where Coonbuster lights was born. And... Uh, I was making all them lights, and we made several improvements to them. At that time, I, I'm sure you'll remember, Eddie, people would go go through fences, and you remember how the plug-in was on the spotlights? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could go through a fence, and you could grab that. If you get keep your spotlight plugged in like I do, them double prongs right there, that was a dead short. And it, I've seen many lights wire and burn up in there because people got tangled up crossing a barbed wire fence and get tangled up in there well. We went in there and did uh, did a little reworking on that and made them a lot safer. And we put a breaker in there. And that breaker, if you went through a fence, would trip and it wouldn't render your light inoperative. And we, we progressed on like that. And I was working on tracking collars. It started working on tracking collar transmitters at that time. And I was fortunate enough when I was in Louisiana that I had a neighbor that was an electronics engineer. And of course, 
my first 10 years in Air Force was all electrical on aircraft. And I had a, you know, a, a basic knowledge, but Marvin Provino, he was an electrical engineer with the Corps of Engineers there at, at uh, Barksdale. And we looked at it, and Marvin told me everything about it, you know, how the, how the uh, crystal operated and everything. And so I took it from there and went on. And, oh, about six, eight months, I had a working transmitter on that. And then I got started building tracking collars, and it just overwhelmed me. And I ended up selling my part of Coombuster and the light building business and the parts supply to, to Don. Our big thing was parts. It wasn't really building lights. And we, we did build Don's lights. But uh, anyway, after that, Don took Coombuster on. He and Wendell Westbrook, and they did real good with it. And uh, I, I got the collars up and going, and Gary Bay was a big influence because he peddled those collars everywhere he went, and, and you were no Gary. Oh, Bay. yeah, top of the line. He yeah. and his wife, just yeah. great people. And uh, I, I can't thank Gary enough for that because that's what sustained us until 2010. And Superior being close by here, uh, I think Ben Miller and probably Harold Dodge, you probably know Harold. Harold's a riverboat captain, and he started Western Rivers. Okay. But he had the bulbs. Yeah, and uh, Superior being started here, I guess, in about 1985 by Ben Miller and, and Harold Dodd, uh, they had sold it to a boy named Wesley Springer. Mm -hmm. Is that right, Jamie? Yep, that's right. And we bought Superior from Wesley Springer, and we we sat on the name for five or six years, never did do anything with it. I just wanted it for future reference, you know. And we didn't build any lights because we were still real busy in the tracking collar stuff. Now, we were building some lights. We just weren't building the Superior brand lights. Well, I guess that's right. We built a lot yeah. of lights. Yeah, we did build all. We was building all Reggie's lights, but we wasn't building any for us mm -hmm. for advertising lights. Sure. And uh, anyway, the light business when they come out with LEDs, that plugged my interest, and I got started up with the LEDs then. And the tracking collars by then, garments had just started coming out, and garments was a thing to go to. In fact, I used one. But I didn't use it by itself. I used a backup tracking collar on it because I just didn't see the reliability there. I still do. You do? If I've got a dog at home, yeah. I run a beep-beep collar 24 hours a day. Yeah. And uh, Garmin also. Well, I still that's, do. that's what I've got on my dogs in my running pen over there. I keep sure. I keep a beep-beep collar on them. That way, I don't see how they can get out. But if they do get out, you know, I can I can track them down. Sure. Instead of them wandering around everywhere out there for days and days like we used to before we had any tracking stuff. Sure. That's about what started the LEDs right there. And do you still build the telemetry collars or work on them here much? You know, for people like Mr. Eddie or yourself that do have dogs that wear them all the time? Well, if we built them, we will repair them. We don't, uh, we don't see a lot of them coming in for repair anymore. And I've got a, a friend in South Carolina that I recommend everybody to, a boy named Mike Rivers. And... Uh, in fact, I made a small tracking collar hitchhiker. It's called Hitchhiker, and we just got so busy I didn't have time to put it together. I made the plastic housing for it, designed it and everything, and I just got so busy with it. And I asked Mike if, if he wanted to take it and run with it, and he, he did. So I just let him have the name, and I, I get him the housings for that, and, 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 he, and he builds them collars. But repairing them, if we build them, yeah, okay. we'll do it. And occasionally we'll get a request for a tracking collar. 
And I was going to say, we do sell them still. Oh, yeah. um, it's just the popularity of them is not what it used to be. But now if somebody calls in here and orders one, we can make one. Yeah, but in addition to that, the light business just keeps us swamped right now. We really don't have time to build them and we don't push them. I mean, it's not a, it's, it's so many people just use garments now. Yeah. Know? I mean, are proud to have Conkey's Outdoors as a sponsor of CHU Podcast. Conkey's is your complete hunting and hound supply store. They carry brands like Garmin, Daltra, Dan's, and even Summit Tree Stands and much, much more. Whether you're in the market for a new thermal or a new hunting rifle, Conkey's has it all. They even offer financing options. Being a family-run business with customer service that's second to none, it's no wonder why Conkey's is the best in the business. So go check them out at conkeysoutdoors.com or find them on Facebook at Conkey's Outdoors. And it, it, unless you're using it as like a backup collar, I don't really guess, you know. Yeah. Because, I mean, now their garments are reliable. Like when they first come out, they were kind of spotty. I remember that too. Yeah. yeah. Tyler, go back to the early days of uh, of when we started, if you will, because okay. I, I want to plug in the 12A32 and the 24B9. I remember Basil talking about that all the time when you and him, and he'd call you and you would help him. Yeah. And yeah. He would always tell me, he said, Ed, he said, that's Sam Davis. He's helped us a lot. Yeah. I said, I believe you, Bill. I, I didn't own any part of the the light company by no means, but yeah. me and Basil were, he was one of the best friends I ever had in life. And yeah. we were partners on dogs. And long before I ever met Mr. Sam, that Basil introduced me to him, I knew a lot about him. I really did. Because when Basil stamps approval on somebody, <clears throat> it's it, good. It's good. Yeah. And Basil, he was one of those older customers of ours that i used to talk to him even when i was a kid yes, and he was he was a character he was uh he was definitely he's definitely missed absolutely yeah. so mr sam can you kind of walk me through the evolution of lights as we you know we know the wheat lights and then where do we go from there really well a lot of credit goes to a lot of people before me uh bobby barber he deserves a lot of credit and Bill Morano, the guy that started Blazer, he deserves a lot of credit. I don't know if you ever knew Bill or not. No, I'd heard of him, but yeah. I didn't. I never yeah. met him. But he was a he was a super guy, and and in fact, he and I did some stuff, and I I got a, a box made for him for his lights that he had, you know, for for carrying them on the side. And uh, in the early back in the early days, when whenever we started doing Coon Buster, they was using a I think it was a 6V64, they called it, a bulb, and they had toggle switches on there to toggle from 6 to 12 volts because you could they could get more light out of that 6-volt bulb by doing that. And uh, then they would toggle, toggle it to have a 12-volt spotlight. So it would switch back and forth between 6 and 12 volts. Well, From the head of the spotlight. Yeah. And... And, and with the electrical background, I saw I saw an opening there for a bulb. So, you know, the bulb was running at four amps on six volts. And I says, well, I said, uh, you can do a lot better than that. And so I, I designed the 12V32, and I had it made 12 volts so you wouldn't have to do that toggling. Mm -hmm. So if you cut the uh, – it was running at four amps. So if you double the voltage, you half the amps. So I designed that bulb at two amps on the high side, 
And I, I think it was like 500 milliamps on the low side, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. It's been so long, I can't remember. But anyway, it was just it was just half of what that six-volt bulb was doing and double the voltage, and you had the same thing. Well, that bulb took off, boy, like, like hotcakes. And that's really what built Coonbuster lights because he's the one that had access to it. And when he started peddling them lights, my phone started ringing. Well, the guys got to blowing them bulbs because there's running too many volts to it. They wanted to make them as bright as they could, and I don't blame them. I'd do the same thing. I'd, I'd turn mine up just as high as I could get it. If I blew one, pop it out, throw another one in. <laughs> knew where they lived. You knew where they lived. <laughs> so, so they complained so much, I made another bulb. I made the 24V98. And uh, it was going to run at 24 volts, but I, I wanted to make it a little brighter. So I just stepped it up maybe 100 milliamps on, on each side, you know, from the, from the, from the 12V32. And I, you know, I calculated the voltage and, and all that. So it would be brighter than the 12V32. And somebody said, well, I got the same thing. It's just not, uh, it's not no difference in it. But there was difference in it. And, and I got Gary Beatty. Got the first one of those lights that I made that was 24 volt. And Gary was just, he was thrilled with it. So that bulb took off. Well, the guys got to pushing it with 28 <laughs> volts. <laughs> yeah, 28 volts. Yeah, they got to pushing it with 28 volts. And then they'd start popping it. And then they asked me to build another bulb to cover that. And I said, no, guys, I'm done building bulbs. <laughs> Basil, Basil would hand me a pocket full at a time because he knew what was going to happen. Yeah. How, I know the listeners can't see it, but how big was that 28 volts battery? That, what would that be? You know, that, Well, we, what we did, we put 18 sales to it when we built it. We didn't mill many of them. And, uh, but the other guys, they were putting like uh, 20 sales to mm-hmm. it. So you figure 1.5 volt for, for that, you know, that's coming up to 30 volts. And some of us advertising 30 volts. And, but I never did. I never did go there. I, not that I didn't. 24 was, was, 18 was the most we put to them. So. It, and it's probably a good thing that the LEDs did become a thing. We probably have, you know, they'd be putting, how, they ain't no telling how many they'd be putting in there now. Yeah, the, the LEDs have a lot, a lot more strict, uh, uh, voltage to them than than, than those old, old lights did. It has, it's not not as much tolerance. Let me say that. Those bulbs was an important thing. Mister Sam was talking about track collars uh, a while ago, and I always remember Basil. I'd lose so many magnets, and uh, <laughs> you know, coon hunters. You know how coon hunters are. You can leave a thousand dollars on the dash, and when you got back, that thousand dollars would be there. But if you left a magnet on the dash, <laughs> that dude was a tax write off. It was gone. Yeah. So Basil, Basil got tired of me hunting magnets. He said, "Throw the magnets away." When he got a new collar in for us, first thing he did was throw the magnet away he said hey we'll use it till it quits and i'll send it to sam he said throw the magnet away i'll send it back to sam and that's that's how we worked with uh, no magnet good. collar that's pretty good they'd run about a year like that oh they would yeah. 24 hours a day seven days a week and that's the way we travel yeah. i never took it off the dog yeah but anyway about that time one of my friends come into it right after we developed that uh them bulbs right Conrad, he come on the scene. I'm gonna guess about '95 or '96, and he was getting he was getting parts from uh, Dunn, I think. I don't think I sold Dunn the parts parts business of that 
when I sold it to him. I think I sold it in right to sell lights, to build his lights. And 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 uh, anyway, Ray came on and he contacted me about getting some parts. And Ray's really been a he's been a good friend, you know, ever since. And we still work together. I I have ideals I share with him, and he has ideals that that he shares with me. And and the battery boxes that we use on the lights, I own the tools that, that make all those battery boxes. And uh, I'd consult Ray, you know, on the sizing and stuff before I'd make one, and we'd we'd agree on it. And uh, we just go on from there, and we, we still talk maybe two or three times a week. That's what's always amazed me about you is uh, you share your technology, and, I mean, this education you had with it, and uh, Basil was a welder. And mm-hmm. between you helping him and his desire, uh, the Bandit Lights at one time, you know, they were pretty big. Yeah, and yeah. He would give you so much credit. Yeah. He had the heart. But you had the uh, electrical part of it. Yeah, yeah. Basil was always a good customer. Absolutely. And in fact, his battery box is the one that Bill Morano gave me. Bill didn't like that box because it had it was a big box and it had screws in the top and the bottom. Bill didn't like that box because it didn't have any screws in the middle and the lid bulged on him whenever he put it together and after it wore a little. Well, Bill gave me them old inserts for getting that tool made for him. Well, I took those inserts to, to my man and had him put that center screw hole in there and put it in a in a uh, mold base for that. And I ran several parts, had a lot of them. And then when, when I got, you know, pretty much out of building the lights and, 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 and selling the parts and stuff because of the tracking collars, I sold Basil that old tool. And there ain't no telling how many boxes Basil ran off that old tool. Sure. So that amazes me. Obviously, Mr. Ray Conrad owns Bright Eyes. Yeah. So for everybody on Facebook that's sitting there arguing about Superior Hellcat Max better than the Bright Eyes Viper, you can obviously tell that Mr. Sam and Mr. Ray ain't arguing about, you know, they're sharing <laughs> ideas. So, you know, I mean, that, I think that's funny, though, you know. Yeah. We, and they're both great lights. I mean, really, they yeah. are. Well, Ray, Ray and I say, uh, you know, somebody calls and says, says I've narrowed my light down to to bright eyes or a, or a superior. I tell them I say you'd be happy with either one of them. I don't I don't. Uh, and Ray does the same thing for us, you know. That, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've always had a good friendly relationship with him. Yeah, and I just think that I think that's funny that you know everybody's arguing about it and y'all two are sharing ideas, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't think, people probably don't know that. I mean, you know. They probably don't. Now, you know, Ray, Ray's got some unique things in his life and we have some unique things in ours. And uh, the probably the biggest thing is Ray's does all his modules with one, in one, one cylinder with, mm-hmm. that mounts with one screw. And we do ours individually. And uh, I don't know which is, you know, benefits each other the most, but they both get the job done, let me say that. Yeah. And that they are both great, like you said, great lights. I mean, so what kind of influences, since we're at LEDs now, what influences LED technology upgrades? Well, right now the lights are, are probably maxed out. You know, you're going to have to have some battery upgrades to run um, a, a higher... I guess you'd say a higher voltage LED, and uh, I just don't uh, 
the way they are right now, I just don't see a lot of that happening. You know, there are some things that can be done, but and we're working on things. I'll, I'll admit it. And uh, we're always working on something. And I think a lot of the things that can be done to increase the brightness on them or something like that, that seems like that's what everybody wants is more brightness, more brightness, more brightness. But those things that you can do to increase the brightness right now are really going to involve making the headpieces a lot larger. Uh, they're going to be heavier, and people probably aren't going to want to tote them. Yeah, the head will probably look like a syrup bucket, you know, for, to get rid of, to get rid of the heat. You know, me personally, I don't I don't care if a main beam's bright. You know, I don't have to have that just ridiculously bright main beam. But with the way y'all's walking lights are on the Hellcat Max, you know, it's just so it's bright but it's wide. Yeah. And that's what I like. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think that I mean, I haven't been in many situations that came where you need that tight spotlight very often, you know. Most times you're looking for that cane, you're looking on with your reds or even if you're walking you you know well i i actually probably use mine more than because i drive my boat and i wear my i turn it on for my spotlight and i got my light bar my led but still if you're hunting i don't feel like i need that that huge bright beam well <clears throat> from a 63 year old that's what i was fixing from to a say. 63 year old standpoint you know coon hunters agree and disagree on a lot of things yeah but durability dependability and brightness for their hunting light uh they won't uh disagree on that much they need all three of those things yeah. and uh where i live and tyler lives uh each one of those is important because i mean it's pretty thick and you spend a lot of time on the ground and it's important to see the ground because like during the summer uh we got critters that come out down there that uh, i want to see for sure don't look for them don't <laughs> don't look for them but i want them to be lit up should they be there and uh these lights uh i've used since 1985, Basil started building the Bandit, and when he went to heaven, uh, I called Mr. Sam, and uh, so I've lose, used two lights. I don't know much about the other ones. I'm sure they're all nice lights, but I've only used two. I've used the Bandit since 85, and now the Superior, and uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, the brightness for a 63-year-old, if it becomes uh, like these young guys, uh, I like every one of those clicks to be bright. Yeah, and uh, go ahead, Jane. Well, I was going to say, and you go back to the walking lights being flooded out, and that's kind of the point of having the walking lights because you have the main beam that has a good tight spot that has a lot of throw distance. So the walking lights, you're going to want them to flood out and be a flooded out light. And you could, you know, you can make those walking lights have a tighter spot, but you're getting to a point where you have two main beams on there. So uh, the point of the walking lights is, is to be flooded out. And you'll have to remember, we being probably one of the oldest companies out here, you know, building lights, uh, we've got a lot of older hunters, customers, and they they dictate a lot of what we do. You know, we listen to their what they say and try to do that. And some of them are, are excellent points, and we'll incorporate that into some of our stuff. And some of them, you know, it's just it's a personal preference. And some of them are not such good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what's always helped Superior Lights is you was a coon hunter. Yeah. You still coon hunt. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, a coon hunter building lights for coon hunters is uh, probably a good combination, too. Yeah. Well, I, was, I was fortunate in the military because I was stationed at places except for, oh, when I was in Germany and when I was in Turkey and Greece and, you know, all those places over there. I stayed overseas about seven years and just... 
no no coon dogs, you know. That'd be tough. Yeah. Now, I did miss the opportunity once to go hunting in Turkey. It was, it was down on the Syrian border, but my family was with me and all the kids and the wife. And, but I did miss a good opportunity to go hunting with some of the Turks because they would hog hunt up in the mountains. And I just didn't, I, to this day, I regret not going with them. I had an invite to go with them, and I, and I didn't. But we were stationed at some good places with some good hunting. There oh, yeah. In, uh, uh, hot in Bossier City, Louisiana. Um, there's a lot of good hunting there. And, and then, like Sam mentioned, when we were at uh, stationed at Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri, there's a, a lot of good hunting there as well. And where I went to school in northern Michigan, up around Marquette. Uh, there's good hunting up there, but doggone, about the uh, first of November, you can set your clock by a big snowfall mm -hmm. that would knock you out. Yeah. But you could, uh, a lot of times you could hunt in that melting snow and, and the coons would be moving. But if, boy, if it was cold on one of them old cold below zero nights, ain't nobody needs to be out in that stuff. <laughs> I usually tell buddies, uh, Jerry or Tony will send me a picture of the uh, temperature up there where they're at, one or two or yeah. below, and I always send back, I love Mississippi, and I know June, July, and August is coming, but I love Mississippi. <laughs> and so we, and y'all are kind of, y'all are about the same environment, but, you know, where me and Mr. Eddie live, it's, it's a real humid environment. Yeah. You know, real, a lot of moisture in the air. How much does that affect the lights? I, I, from a personal standpoint, I don't see where it affects them at all, or it shouldn't, you know, because, you know, the head is sealed tight. And in, in fact, the heads are just almost waterproof. Mm -hmm. You just can't call them waterproof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you, they won't, they'll take a submerging, but they can't stay there long. Let me put it like that. You know, dropping and picking up is fine. Well, uh, like Jamie was telling us about the proper way to charge these new lights, like leave them on charge, take them off. Jamie, could you tell everybody the, the right way to do it? I have always just recommended to people to, when you use your light, come in, put it on charge, and wake up in the morning, the green light's on, unplug it. That's what I've always recommended. Probably one of the worst things in the world that you can do for them is to run them down completely dead to zero volts, and especially to run them down completely dead to zero volts and then just stick them in your closet and let them sit for two or three months. Once you do something like that, there's a chance that the light may not charge back up, uh, and it, it's awful rough on the batteries. And now in the past, before you had the smart chargers and the chargers would just continue charging, uh, you didn't want to leave them on charge for a really long time either. That was awful rough on them as well. But you have the smart chargers now that the, the lights will kick off and go into a trickle charge when when they're charged. But I still recommend people to um, to just plug them in until the green light comes on and unplug them. And you mean like it's almost like a, a battery maintainer, which you keep your car, like your boat battery on in your shop. It'll just maintain it, the smart charger will. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if you ever owned an electric vehicle or not. I, uh, I work in oil fields. So I, think I, will. <laughs> I got a 2004 wheeler, uh, Foreman 4x4. Four four. Well, I've, I've owned an electric car. I didn't keep it long. But, you know, it, it was a Tesla. And it was, uh, the batteries on it are, are basically the same thing that we use in these lights, what they use in the Teslas. The Teslas 
they don't recommend you charging them all the way up to, to full charge every time you charge. But now our lights are different because the batteries are rated at, at a higher voltage than what we charge them to. They're charged to 4.2 volts. Anything above that, you're getting up in an area where you don't need to be. And at just past five volts, I think the batteries start venting. And you don't want that. So our batteries are cut off at 4.2 volts. Well, they're cut off on the low side at 2.5 at 2 volts. Really, the batteries don't need to be run all the way down, even at the 2.5 volts to where the battery management system shuts the battery down. About three volts would be good enough. And, of course, I know you don't, don't know how that is, but now we've got we built a tester for the lights, where you can plug it in. I saw that. That looks nice. Yeah, it is. And 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 you push a little button, and it'll tell you exactly how much charge you've got left in that light. We could have built it in the light, but we built so many different lights. It works on every light, even the cheap lights. And it works on lights that we built before we had the tester. So you don't have yeah. to buy a new light to get the tester. You can buy the tester and use it on your older light that you have. Has those went over pretty well? I mean, a lot of hunters want them yet? Not like I thought they would. Hmm. But, they, you know, we've sold several and uh, we we don't get nothing but uh, accolades about, about the little tester, you know. If, <laughs> say you come in and I know you've done this, Eddie. I've done it a thousand times. Come in three or four o'clock in the morning and have a burnt night and not do no good. Throw that light in the corner. I ain't never going to hunt again. I'm done coon hunting. I'm never going. Well, come coming home about five o'clock. You know you've you've worked all day. Looked at the dogs. And said, I think I'll make a short round. <laughs> you ever done that? Oh, absolutely. Then you go get your light. It's dead, no. or you, or let's say not dead, but you don't know how much charge is left in it. Well, you can plug this tester into it. Push that button. And it'll tell you how many hours you've got left on it. Oh, it'll tell you the hours you've got. It'll left? tell you percent, which percent. You, which you can interpret. You can you know, yeah, do your math on it and calculate the hours. Well, that's but, awesome. But the the max one bar equals an hour, so it's got four bars on it. But we advertise the max at four hours. So if you hunt, you know, and use four hours or use two hours your battery, you come in, you got two bars left. Well, you got enough to go hunting. And that's that's four hours of main beam. That's four hours. It that's is. continuous oh, burn yeah, time. And yeah. now those lights also, they do dim down, and they get to a point where they're on, they're running, but they're really dim. And I'm not sure that that's fair to advertise that as burn time. Yeah. And this we might edit this out, but I didn't know. I run my battery all the way dead not long ago. Well, mean to. sometimes you can't help it. <laughs> it, it was like, I was in the woods and it said, yeah. And I said, oh man. If you'd have had one of them battery battery testers. I thought I had plugged my my charger in, and it didn't go in all the way. And it still showed. I never looked at the light because I was half asleep when I went to plug it in. But when I got it the next morning, you know, the light's green. It's not plugged into the light. Yeah. Yeah. So I never. And and it said, hmm. Yeah. I I was like, oh, man. This ain't good. I walked out my phone line. Me and Landon was at that tree. But, uh. Yeah, it uh, and and I, I plugged it back in. It you know let it charge all the way up. So, I guess another question I got is how much does cold weather affect, like the type of lights that we use? I know it'll affect batteries in general, but does it affect like hunting lights? Well, it's 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 it, it's a battery, and it's going to affect it somewhat because on electric cars, in the winter time, 
your runtime, your miles go way down. Mm-hmm. And so the lights, you know, even out there in that cold, the cold weather's not good on any battery that I know of. And it'll, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll take a lot of, a lot of, you won't have the burn time that you're supposed to have. Canine University is brought to you by Superior Light Company. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. If you're in the market for a new light, do not overlook Superior. They make the best light in the business. The Hellcat Max Flat Dark Earth Edition is awesome. Comes standard with the new and improved high-intensity green laser. Comes standard with the newest design and dual walking light modules, offering the brightest walking lights currently available on the market, bar none. And it comes with your choice of red or true amber or double red color module technology. The Hellcat Max new module design reduces weight without sacrificing burn time or brightness, resulting in an overall weight of just 20 to 24 ounces, depending on your cap selection. The Hellcat Max offers the newest battery technology, which allows for five hours of continuous main beam burn time on the highest setting and over 10 hours of highest auxiliary light settings. All controls can be found on one easy nine positions click switch. And all superior lights come with a two-year warranty or are made right here in the USA. So check out superior lights. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. Thank you to Mr. Jamie, Mr. Sam at Superior Lights for supporting Coonan University Podcast and making this podcast possible. So I ask all the listeners, if you could, please go over there and support Superior Lights. Use the exclusive discount code that is only available to Coonan University Podcast listeners, CHU Podcast. Superior, step up to the max. Now back to the show. Put it like that. And I and I got a question uh, for Jamie. The Max is awesome, bright, but uh, I still carry a Superior Spotlight, one of those spotlights. Do y'all still uh, make those? Um, we have done them kind of in batches. As time permits, we'll do some, and as we get requests for them, I currently have one left back there, and when it's gone, I don't have any more. Uh, and the next time that we run any, I don't know that we will. Yeah, they're they're nice. They're they're bright. Yeah. See, what we have to do, Eddie, is, is the the guy that does our metal work. He requests that we do X number of parts for him to turn his machine on to turn those metal parts for us. Sure. And you know, our workload dictates a lot of what we do. Sure. So. With that said, I've not requested him to run any spotlight material lately. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the, the light's plenty bright, but uh, with that 63-year-old thing, you know, I'll use that, still use that spotlight. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that. You know, like I said, there, a lot of our a lot of our hunters are, are older hunters, and they want a lot of light. And one old man told me, he said, son, I shouldn't say, old oh, man, I'm 76. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you don't look it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he told me, he said, son, he said, let me tell you a story. He said, I like a bright light. When somebody says they got too much light, I say, that's just about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
maybe get Jamie when when uh, he he got involved of like when Mr. Sam could actually take off and go play golf. How long ago was that, and and where we at on that? Because I uh, I don't know anything about the Superior Light business, yeah. but I'd say the days of playing golf could increase. And I wow. saw an eight month old puppy over here that uh, Mr. Sam's got out of that wipeout line over there, and if you can hear that thing bark, uh, he may be waiting on dark. So <laughs> I just wanted to touch on that. Well, like I said, I've been on the payroll here for about 25 years. I have been building lights for... With raises every year. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. And food and board before that, yeah, right? right? I'm not sure about that. Let's see. How much do you owe? <laughs> but now I have been in here building lights for that amount of time. Um, we have a very excellent employee here. His name is Keith Carroll. Uh, he's affectionately referred to as Pudgy. Uh, I have told y'all before he is certainly our employee of the month for about 60 months running um, <laughs> he is an excellent employee i don't know that we could get by without him uh, but now i have been in here building lights for about 25 years i've been uh, watching my dad build lights for years and years before that when i was just a kid sam is he is 76 years old we do encourage him to to get out of here and uh, take a break but he Oftentimes he doesn't. He likes to work. It seems like he's a hard worker, almost as hard of a worker as Pudgy is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Pudgy. Just he's just he's dependable. I could walk out of here right now, and Pudgy could take care of it. That's a blessing. Yeah, and I've kind of made a commitment to Pudgy, so I'm I'm standing by that. And uh, he's just top notch. Is all I'm saying. Sure. Well, it's a blessing to have somebody like that and have a son that uh, can run your business while you play golf. If yeah, necessary. if we had another pudgy, we wouldn't be three or four weeks behind, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that is one thing. Yeah, yeah, we have been behind for the last few years. We've been very fortunate. We've been very busy, um, abnormally busy. And at the same time, you know, we hate to be behind when a customer orders something. We like to get it shipped out of here and get it to them as quickly as possible. Well, I know you had, you had told me I'd asked you the question used to, uh, and I don't know nothing about y'all's business, but with basils, a lot of time when it started getting cool down home, the business picked up yeah. a lot. And you told me that here recently, y'all been just wide open year round. It, it used to be fairly seasonal, but here the last couple of summers, it has been uh, June and July have been like Christmas months here. It's just, it's been, it's been very busy. We've been very fortunate. Well, and I think well, another thing people don't realize about Superior isn't even y'all's company name. It's Wholesale Lights. You know, y'all not only do y'all build the Hellcat Max, but y'all also supply parts and and build lights for other companies too. We won't name, yeah, you know, but yeah. you know that's so that's part of y'all's business too. So not only are y'all building the lights, but you also have that part of it. So yeah, well, that Wholesale Light name came from way back in the probably early nineties. And uh, when I first started it and, and and did tax stuff on it, it was called cap lights to correspond with what, you know, Kohler called their mining lights cap lights. So I just, you know, called it cap lights. But then as the business progressed, we got to where we were selling more and more parts. I really didn't care a lot about building lights then. And, and uh, we did, you know, a lot of the design work, like the 12E32s and the 24V98s, and we started downsizing with the C-cell batteries with, with 
uh, Coonbusters lights that was that weighed a lot less. And then Ray come on later later on after that about three or four years, and, and he started using nickel metal hydrides. So uh, anyway, supplying those parts, we just uh, I changed the name of it to Wholesale Light and Supply, and that's what we did for you know the majority of the time was was. Uh, was sale parts and and, and we built uh, combustor lights and, and and basically back then that's the only lights we built, other than selling parts. What year, if you were guessing, or y'all probably remember, did the did the belt light or the side light kind of go away and more people go to on top of the headlight? I mean, I was there, but I don't remember when. Did, what would y'all say? I'm gonna LED. guess it's about 2009 or 10. Yeah, whenever. Uh, there was a boy down there in in Texas. I can't remember his name, but he started out with a. It was a China light, and uh, everything I think come in. You know, I don't know if he mounted the light or if it come in on bump caps or not. But it was, it was already built, and uh, he called it Smart Light. I, his name was I want to say Gary something, but I can't remember his name. But that was, uh, I guess, the first one that was advertised and, and, you know, and LED made that possible and, and the batteries that we use now. Otherwise, you know, it probably never would have come about. And and Sam also mentioned that light coming in from China, and that's something that I think a lot of customers don't realize is just how much of our lights are built right here in Tennessee and how many of the parts come, the light is completely built here Um and how many of the parts come from the United States? There's very few parts that come from China that go into the light. Um, and if you get on Facebook or some type of social media, you'll see comments a lot of times that say all the stuff's coming from China. And that is that is not the case. The lights here are built. Um, we build everything that goes into them, and every single little detail. Yeah. They're about like your biscuits that are made for you. And yeah, I would like I'd like to add. I know you was going to ask us why we think superior lights are the best. Well, it just falls right back on what Jamie was saying. You know, all good biscuits are made from scratch. Mm. So are superior lights. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it it really impressed me when you were saying, yeah, these heads we get them. We got two machine shops here. One of them down in Mississippi, and the other one right over here in town. And got all we got all the injection molds over here at a plastic plant, and you know. Uh, wherever down the road here in yeah. Tennessee, and it, it was impressive to me that you know that every you know I knew it was made in America, but I didn't just how much of it was made, made. in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here locally, it, it's yeah. all made here, and it takes you know, and, and that's another reason we we talked about being busy and being behind, and and we do have to put the lights together here. We have to build them. It's not something that comes into us and we ship it back out. We have to build the. Uh, entire thing and it does it takes some time to put one together and I it goes back to you talk about having stuff made locally all our tools for the tracking collars we've got uh, I know of four different ones <coughs> four different tool injection molding tools for tracking collars to build different sizes with and all those tools except for one was made by a boy down in Louisiana that I made contact with that I was going back to that made Bill Morano's uh, a tool for him to inject those boxes with and the transmitter that goes in there I bought the rights I built some transmitters but they just didn't really suit me like I wanted them to 
and and I talked to Tom during the West Coast telemetry, and I talked to Tom about buying the rights to use his transmitter. Well, I did, and at that time, everything went in, went in. It, it was a piece by piece, solder each piece in there. Well, there's a place down in Corinth that's a pretty good size machine, uh, electronics place. They do a lot of uh, surface mount stuff. And I talked to him, and uh, we converted that transmitter to all surface mount. A lot of people thought our transmitter was coming from China, but that's not true. It's made right down in Corinth, Mississippi. And uh, it's just, you know, we've kept it here like that. And then in the, in the, the housings that we had designed for those tracking collars, the, the man that had designed those, that was kind of a funny story because they were trying to decide how to design this housing to put on dogs. And there was a stray dog running around out in the parking lot. So they got it and measured him up. And uh, <laughs> that's how that tracking collar housing came to be. Yeah, the other radius on it. That's pretty good. I forgot about that. <laughs> Isn't that something? You know, and I know we're about out of time here, and um, but I do thank y'all for sponsoring the podcast and for building an awesome light. And uh, I've had a great time here in Tennessee. We're headed back home today, but uh, it's just been a great time overall. And we could do, I think we could do a whole podcast on just on Adamsville, Tennessee, or a whole. It would be three pod, four podcasts just on Adamsville because I mean all the history that's here and you know everything that took place here back in you know in coon hunting. She said, it's awesome. It really is. And I, I do thank y'all for that. And thank you for taking time out of your day and letting us interview you. And I know everybody's going to like it. But uh, Well, I hope so. It's been a blessing to be here, and it's good to see y'all. First time I ever got to meet Jamie. I've met Mr. Sam, but I've talked to Jamie, but first time I ever got to meet him. And I uh, just thank y'all for letting us come today and sharing a little history. I've sure enjoyed it. And I hope the people listening enjoy it. I do, too. We enjoyed having y'all come visit. Do y'all do y'all have anything else you'd like to add, or did we miss anything that y'all want to cover? Or I know I know y'all said an hour, a forty five minutes, and I just Jamie, do you want to say anything about warranties or not, or or uh, sir? I mean, y'all service is great. Do you do you want to do that or not? That's just thought. You might say something about the repairing the lights, and you know, and uh, if somebody gets one, and, and you know, we do it wrong, that we pay shipping back with a thing like that not a lot of people do that and you know something we used to like to say with basil is a coon hunter knows how important your light is to get back to you yeah and we yeah. realize you're coon hunter. i mean i'm, I'm just talking yeah. i'll tell you one of the uh things i seen basil do one time that i just it just amazed me we was at uh, the world hunt up there in mississippi and basil was making his light it was a battery can on the side a waterproof mm-hmm. and uh yeah he told me he said just right out of the blue he says go to walmart Yes, sir. What do you want, Bill? I want a fish square. Yeah. I want marbles. I said, Basil, what are we doing? You got me confused. He said, just do what I'm telling you. Hey, end the conversation. I said, what else you want? He said, bring it all. I said, okay. Hey, go get a fish aquarium. Put water in it. It's a world hunt. He sets aquarium up right outside his booth with water in it. Drops a bandit light in it. Yeah. Hey, that baby's shining. Guy walks by. said, Basil, that's a special made light. And Mr. Sam will tell you, when Basil said the word cap, he said, Cap, and he knew him, bought band lights. He said, go to your truck, get your light out. Basically, you ain't mess mine up. Basically, reached behind him, got a whole new light, charger, everything. He said, do what I'm telling you. Go to your truck and get your light out. And got it, dropped it in that aquarium. That baby kept right on burning. And there was no telling how many. He sold out. Yeah. <laughs> he sold out. That's pretty good. That's and pretty uh, people walked by and said, is that a special made light, Basil? He said, nope. 
that guy or that. He said, now, it's it's not. He said, that's what your bandit light does. A lot of other guys gave gave Basil hell about doing that. Yeah. Did you know what? I, I, I kind of heard about that yeah, a little. Yeah, they did. But now I'm thinking, boy, this dude right here is my buddy, and he's a welder. Yeah. Was a welder, <laughs> and now he's got everybody here buying bandit light, and they work. I mean, you know, you could fall down, go come out the other side, and they keep burning. I guess uh, he siliconed them or something. Yeah, it was something, and that's what amazed me about me. I've watched Basil work on many lights, been a many mile, but I always knew Basil would be there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't fix one of these things if it broke down at all. Yeah, and I watched him for years fix them, but I just always assumed. Man, it's, didn't a work. Lot, it's a lot different now, Eddie. Oh, yeah. God, it's just different. You said that spotlight a while ago, boy, used to get on me. He loved me and I loved him. But a lot of times I'd go across a fence and I'd be in a hurry. And that cord would be that long and yeah. it'd be stretched out. Yeah. You know what I tried to get him to make and it wouldn't work? But I said, Basil, I got the answer. What? I said, roll up a deal with one of those chain keychains. Zip. I said, and that way... Uh, when you didn't have that cord, it would roll up in there on a wheel. And when you got to the tree, you could unroll it, plug it in, and then roll it back. He, you know, of course it wouldn't work. Yeah. That was one of my thoughts that never went nowhere. It was funny. Y'all met a lot of people. Y'all been blessed with a lot of friends through this Yeah, thing. yeah. Being right here with Tam and all them guys and uh, the stories, it's awesome. Well, I hope this turns out like you want it to. I don't know if it will or not. I think yeah, I think it's yeah. great. But uh, yeah, if y'all are good, y'all good. Yeah. Are we? Anybody else have anything else they want to add? Mm-mm. I don't have. Hey, I enjoyed it. And thank y'all for having us again. Oh, we had a big time. Conkey's Outdoors knows that keeping up with the latest in hunting technology can be expensive. That's why they are proud to offer amazing financing options. From 30 days, same as cash, to 0% interest for 6, 9, 12, and even 18 months, depending on your credit score and the amount you spend. If you've been eyeballing that new thermal or want to upgrade to the latest in tracking system technology, go find out more on the web at conkeysoutdoors.com, or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, stop by and visit. They'd love to have you. Conkey's Outdoors. Houndsman. Helping houndsman. I really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting U. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.